friends, and welcome to World Build with Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are diving into one of our listeners' prompts that has all to do with, oh, just volcanoes and dragons and stuff like that. It's crazy, you guys. Just wait until you hear it. But before we get into that today, let's go ahead and remind you that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. Of course, if you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. Or if you're more interested in talking to us directly or becoming part of our community, you can come and join our Discord, where we will chat with you about all sorts of interesting and fun world building and non-world building related activities and things. So click the link for that as well. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon where you can get access to patron only episodes, early episodes, patron only discord channels, and a couple of other cool stuff, right? So just come on by. And speaking of Patreon, we have a new patron this month, you know him and love him from the Undercommon Taste podcast. It is Ian. So, Ian, welcome. Thank you for your patronage. It's great to have you in the community and on the podcast. So, it's really great to see you. And with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and dive right into the prompt. This is coming from Levon, who you might remember from our Wuxia Tower episode, which I feel like that was like five years ago. And in reality, I think it was probably like six months ago. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, time's weird, especially mm -hmm. uh, Kansas time. But anyway, uh, our prompt from Levon this time is, the world is a world not unlike our own. However, instead of many continents, there is only one. And it's in the midst of a series of volcanic winters that are threatening to topple civilization. So Levon, when you say it's not unlike our own, that is very unlike our own. Like Pangea aside, like the volcanic winters, like that's very not like ours. But <laughs> the tenets, number one, steampunk civilization is wrestling with scarcity. Number two, seasons are very intense. And number three, dragon cults and their blood magic have began to spread rapidly amongst the population. And with our setting introduced, we can now dive into the setting itself. So, Courtney, I feel like the blood magic tenet is almost directly aimed at you. Mm -hmm. Do you have a tenet related to blood magic for this episode? I actually do not. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, if that's the case, Daniel, start us off this episode and let us know what's going on. Um, I wanted to address the dragon situation oh. as, as immediately as possible. Oh my. And then I wanted to specify that the dragons are not reptilian and they're dragons in name only. That way we have maximal uh -oh. flexibility to determine what they are and how they function. And specifically <laughs> that they are not giant lizards. Okay. I, I love dragons though. Hold on. Question. Because I also have a thing about this as well. Yeah. When you say that they're not reptilian, can they still be reptilian? 
As long as so, no, according to my tenant, no. But the idea, the idea is they are not. I mean, I could be persuaded if they are not anything like dragons and they are not giant reptiles. Well, Daniel, what I was really asking, right? Because I have something similar, right? Where they're called dragons, but they mm-hmm. can basically be giant animals like a dinosaur, for example, which is technically mm-hmm. still a lizard, mm-hmm. you know? But they're not all that, is what you're saying. Right, exactly. We, yeah, we have a panoply. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. As long as they're not all giant. I mean, to be clear, I love dragons. But as long as they're not all giant, basically what we consider dragons, you know? Okay. And and for the record, I'm not the biggest fan of dragons. So Daniel <laughs> and I are in opposite camps in that way. <laughs> but what I what I was mostly interested in is just having giant totemic monstrous things, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I was interested in. Yeah, that's that's fine. I just so want I don't want us to just have dragons flying around. That's my okay. Whole cool. No, that that's fine. So your deal is they're dragons in name only. So they're mm-hmm. they're dinos, is what you're suggesting. <laughs> Well, I, I also that they're not reptilian, but I can see there being a class of them that happen to be reptilian. Okay, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also want something that's sim- so. Okay, for for my first tenant, I've basically given up the goat. Right, I've told you what I want to do, but mm-hmm. I want to explain myself when I read this tenant. What was going through my dumb dumb brain? Right. So when I read that it's a volcanic winters and it's steampunk civilization, my brain immediately went to frost punk, which is like. A very grim, very uh, difficult uh, decision making process, kind of like Civ like game, right? Where you're in charge of making sure a, a group of survivors can thrive and live. And you basically create this little city as like winter is like just destroying your entire planet, right? So I thought of that first. And then with the dragon thing and like with the Pangea, I'm like, oh, this is like, the 1990s arcade game Primal Rage, which <laughs> has like a mixture of like humans and dinosaurs and the humans worship the dinosaurs. And then it's it's wild and it's an amazing like nostalgia bomb. And that is ultimately what I wanted to evoke because I genuinely didn't want to go too grim because I feel like with things on the uh, the edge of toppling and civilization and stuff like that, and like wrestling with scarcity, I feel like you're just aiming to go grim. And so my mm-hmm. purpose and desire was instead of like grimness, I wanted humanity to welcome oblivion with open arms and jubilation. So I love the idea that the reason that dragon cults and blood magic have been popular is because they're like, hell yeah. The world is ending and we're all sacrificing ourselves to giant dinosaurs to like live on in forever. So that's my kind of thought process behind my tenant, which is like Daniel, there's like giant dinosaurs and dinosaur adjacent monsters that people are like throwing themselves into the maws of. Are there any questions or is that just (laughs) fine? It's funny that you didn't want to go grim because i also didn't want to go grim like really? one of my first thoughts reading this prompt is like oh it's like the road and it's like no i shouldn't make this like the road that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who hasn't read it's a book by cormac mccarthy and it's just like bleak and gray and and bleak and sad and gray <laughs> and yeah very very gray everything is gray yes that's correct yeah so i'm i'm curious like when you say like jubilations and celebrating and glee like what do you picture for that what 
what do you see these um these people living like in their cities or whatever okay again uh i was this is really dumb but i legit just have primal rage in my mind where it's like (laughs) you have humans who are in in the game it's a 2d like fighting game right and in it you control dinosaur characters and there's also two giant gorillas like king kong and stuff right but in the background of the fight stage are little tiny humans and they're like cheering on the the uh, giant dinosaur that their particular tribe worships. Oh, okay. So in addition, while you're, you know, because you play as one of the giant dinosaurs, you can basically just in the middle of the fight, reach down and eat a human <laughs> for no reason. And it's just like, that's the kind of jubilation. It's like, I want to watch my giant God fight another giant God. And like, if I die, so be it. It's for the blood sacrifice that I'm looking for, you know, like. <laughs> But it's in a fun way. That's ultimately what I'm trying to aim for here. You know, like it's ridiculous and it's like over the top. I also have a little bit of Gendy Tartakovsky's primal in my brain as I'm thinking about this, too, where it's just like, yeah, it's not dragons necessarily, but it's like, oh, no, there's giant lizards and there's definitely at least one dragon in there. Right. It's just like maybe it's like secreted away or something like that. You know, <laughs> I really do like the idea that. They're kind of like rooting for their own dragon gods or like their tribes or civilizations established around specific ones. So it's cool. And like that wars are not fought by people, but by sort of people celebrating their gods fighting. Yeah, I mean, that that's something fun that I think. Well, I, I think it's also a good idea to have it just be a distraction from mm. the scarcity of food. And it's also like a way. Okay. It's ridiculous, but it's like starting to kind of come together, I think, because it's like, yeah, you could also just have that be like a way that they curb scarcity, right? Is that Mm -hmm. to make it so like, yeah, if you die in the service of this giant uh, dragon, then one, you're also curbing the population. So there's less drain on Mm -hmm. resources. And two, like you're giving them a reason to kind of like continue to live and not feel completely dejected by their situation, right? Yeah, I like that a lot. So it's kind of like um, a more outlandish Dinotopia if the dinosaurs weren't servants, but but overlords, revered in some way. But brutal warriors, yeah. <laughs> yeah, brutal warriors and like uh, warlords, essentially, yeah. So are these creatures sentient? I-, I would say so. I think that if we're talking about a dragon, right, like dragons inherently have an intelligence and I would like to keep that aspect for sure. Mind you, it can be a rudimentary intelligence and it could be a very brutal and um, brute-ish intelligence, but I think that there should be some level to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know we're still going through tenets, but I vote when we get to the um, quest part, we should just make some of these god dinosaur yeah, dragons. We should figure out what the realm is because we don't, yeah. it certainly has a, f- a flavor of, of this, but it's also a steampunk, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the kind of continue to figure out what it is before right. we turn it into primal rage right exactly <laughs> I'm told, exactly daniel yes right uh, all right all right so let's get back to tenets courtney you haven't gone yet so mm-hmm. it's not the road that's good what is your tenet that helps us not have it become the road um so my first one is that the volcanic winters aren't necessarily caused by the mountainous volcanoes that we tend to think of but also Ooh. by huge fissures in the earth that occur oh where, that's cool like the underlying tectonic plates shift against one another mm-hmm. so it is all still one continent as described in the prompt but there are these like 
narrow lava filled fissures that yeah. can sometimes stretch on for miles that create these hazardous separations between areas um or defensive separations depending on your point of view yeah that's definitely one hell of a way to defend a border from a neighboring yeah, enemy that's for exactly sure. yeah. yeah well unless they have a dinosaur that can just like walk over it <laughs> or fly over it yeah, yeah. for example yeah. Yeah. i think you mean dragon or dino mm-hmm. dragon in name only um you know that's that's fine too <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> did you not get that the first time i used it i didn't wow I didn't. oh man didn't. yeah no that's that was wow. my fun little punny joke sorry uh all right so yes so we have giant fissures can we also have fissures in the ocean as well so we can have like giant steam vents and stuff like that or like plumes of steam and stuff like that or how would yeah. that work um, my second one is actually related to the ocean. Should I just like, oh, go yeah, now? let's go. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, my second one is that given like this world already has so many dramatic features to it, um, I wanted the ocean to be similar. So oceans of this world have extremely dramatic tides that ebb and flow for like miles in and out. So I think they would probably reveal fissures and vents and that would kind of prevent people from building too close to the shoreline because their city could just get wiped out by uh by tides oh that's it so everyone's a midwesterner then god everybody lives in kansas <laughs> oh it's not it's just not great out here guys uh and you know what i i can say that because i know that no one from kansas listens to the podcast thanks to google <laughs> analytics so fuck you kansas <laughs> oh wait although we have one discord member who I, I think sunwalker is originally from kansas or spent time here right oh i don't know am i the only one who's remembering this All right. In which case, like, you know what I'm coming from then. You know where I'm talking about. It's fine. But yeah. Anyway, moving away from Kansas, I genuinely thought that when you're like, considering how like, oh, all the geographical features are going to be big and bombastic. I wanted the Mm -hmm. oceans to just be really boring ocean. I really thought for some (laughs) reason that you're going that way. They're very yeah. still, calm waters. Yep. There's nothing, There's nothing, nothing wrong there. with the oceans. That's your There aren't any like sea monsters or serpents or amphibious dragons or anything <laughs> in there. Nope. Don't need them. Yep. There's, there's yep. no sea monsters at all. There's not one kraken. There's mm-hmm. not a single Loch Ness monster. None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So, Daniel, we're on our second round of tenets already. It feels like we're just blasting through these. But what is your second tenet, sir? Um, I had written that there is something um, unassailable at the heart of the continent and the weather there is pristine. Ooh. Oh, interesting. So, so, okay. So there's like a ring around like this paradise, essentially. Yes. Oh, interesting. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about like what that is and how that comes to be? Or what are we, what are we thinking of? Um, is it like a a static thing that's always been the way it is or is it spreading or shrinking um i don't i don't i'm i don't really care so much about when it happened but i don't want it to get bigger or smaller okay okay gotcha could be perceived as the heart of the storm or maybe like mm-hmm. a place before the storm or whatever mm. Ooh, i'm picturing like a giant crater like from an asteroid impact many oh. many millions of years ago and oh. i'm actually thinking like maybe that's even where the the fissuring originated from like this thing smacked into the earth and caused mm-hmm. these cracks i'm sure that totally works geologically oh, I like that. don't question my science that's how there. science works guys <laughs> yep. that's how <laughs> yeah. science works today but for some reason like that specific area whether it was just chance or magic or some alien life that was brought on the asteroid it 
that particular area has stayed like pristine and healthy and vibrant. Mm. That's really cool. I li- I like that quite a bit actually. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean like there's no good segue that I have to my <laughs> I just don't have one. Mm-hmm. So okay, remember I was aiming for jubilation here, right? For for the end of the world with with everything that I was thinking of when I was thinking about this tenant. So we have to square the idea that it's like steampunk tech, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the other thing that yeah. I was really kind of focused on because the weather, yes, that's definitely a big problem, but I was definitely more interested in like the dragon cults and stuff like that and the steampunk bit because I'm perhaps unsurprisingly a big fan of like steampunky stuff. Like I think there's a lot of cool stuff with that. However, considering that we're like on the edge of scarcity, right? Uh, I have to imagine that this technology is becoming increasingly difficult to maintain and find or create rather especially considering the massive swings in temperature and the uncertainty that this life now brings with scarcity. Right. So my kind of tenant, and and again, I I hate to be so like reductive in terms of my tenants this week, but I've just got like a weirdly pop culture brain and I don't know why, but ultimately I want the tech level and expression of technology to be that of something you would find in Mad Max Fury Road. Because mm. Mad Max, right, is functionally steampunky. It's just a much more grounded steampunky thing, right? What I'm interested in is repurposing of technology, having weirdly advanced technology in some areas and weirdly behind technology in other areas. And a lot of it is like found tech that's been repurposed or scrapped together. So like I'm thinking about altars made out of steering wheels and like clothing that's made out of bullets and like bullet casings and stuff like that right like stuff that is deeply from mad max fury road that's like scavenged and that's kind of the aesthetic that i think that the humans should have is like we're scavengers we are able to survive but like Mm -hmm. the way that we use technology is complete like we're not using airplanes Right. But we can use a jet engine to heat our food and to like keep us warm, you know, like something along those lines. That's kind of where my brain is right now. I like that because I think it also fits with like the idea that civilization has now shifted more towards embracing the end. Almost like why, oh, yeah. why try to form new technologies when we can repurpose old ones, given that, you know, we're all going to die very soon <laughs> oh shit that's even grimmer than i was expecting it yeah like okay yes like i know but i was aiming for jubilation and i know that yeah. it's like, hard to think about that with the end of the world but you're super right it is definitely like they don't care like why would anyone care about advancing civilization when the mm-hmm. civilization is actively coming to an end right and so i was wondering if um you know one way to interpret the levity that you're interested in is to say that there's a sense of humor in it so you yeah, think it's not yeah. as post-apocalypse. I can't, I can't really imagine a jubilant um, Mad Max society, but I can't imagine one where they have the post-apocalyptic elements of Mad Max and it's steampunk. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like um, Snowpiercer adjacent, but they have a sense of humor. And that is probably what would give it levity, you know? Yeah, oh. I mean, there is like a certain ridiculousness to Mad Max. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually think I have a way that we can square it, right? Uh, we can actually bring in the tenant that none of us have talked about yet, which is like the severe shifts in weather. So maybe what's mm-hmm. going on is that the the weather is becoming more severe. Like the winters are becoming colder and longer. 
And so whenever there is a break in the weather, whenever there is like a summer, the celebrations become more jubilant, more like bombastic. And it feels like the end of the world more each time there is a summer, Mm -hmm. right? Like it is a grand release of all of the tension and dread from this extended volcanic winter. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder too then like maybe the seasons are not just more intense as it goes along, but also like the changes are more frequent. And could that relate somehow to the dramatic tides that I talked about? Oh, you're so you're talking about like tsunamis that are like miles yeah. high, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or like literally the oceans shifting is like the flow of the temperatures of water and everything are changing the weather as they go. Oh, so like when when the tide comes in, like some certain weather pattern is going to come with that. Mm. Do you have an example in mind? Because that sounds really cool. I want to hear it expressed a little bit more. Yeah, um, I guess just like as a way to tie the the dramatic ocean shifting with the seasons and like explain why they might be getting more uh, frequent or more intense. If like this is like just bullshitting science, by the way. Please don't believe anything. Courtney, we have dinos <laughs> and like steampunk. Of course, it's we got to make science. it realistic. I know. <laughs> Talk to Clark about that. God yeah. damn it. Uh, no, just, just thinking of like how the oceans uh, retain heat. Mm. If that has gotten to the most dramatic point of like where it's really actively affecting the weather. So like if there's a, I don't know, a, a particularly hot part of the ocean that, that flows into your area of the continent, then it's going to bring with it like a heat wave blast of some sort or like a thawing wave, like everything's yeah. frozen over. And then a tsunami comes and it literally warms up the general yes, area exactly. because yeah. rather than the opposite of what would normally happen. Right. Which like, if you get wet in the cold, mm-hmm. it like freezes you pretty badly. Oh, we can actually probably do both. Right. Where you can have like tsunamis that come in and like freeze and t- so instead of Pompeii, right. Like, which is the typical uh, go-to volcano. Yeah. It's like, oh no, we have entire civilizations that have been frozen over by rogue tsunamis and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And maybe that also relates to like the fissures and vents in the ocean too. Like they're, they're bringing that or carrying that on. Or, or what happens when that tsunami hits one of those fissures or something like that? Yeah. Then you're creating like a steam storm. Is that a thing? Oh my God. That's cool. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Holy shit. You can have it originate too. So if there's a, this is one continent, right? So like maybe Mm -hmm. at the center of it, where I'm imagining the space, it's ringed by those volcanoes that the prompt talks about and the volcanic activity, which must be monstrous is what creates all of these ripple effects going Mm -hmm. outwards. So it creates the fissuring, which then create tidal waves, which create these, uh, I guess these um, galls that are, or we call them, what's the word for it? The G it's a storm. Gale. Gales. Yeah. of, Of like freezing, you know, uh thermal chaos yeah but that's so metal as fuck god really damn it cool. <laughs> um, yeah and then like beyond the ring but that's why it's hard you can't get into that space because it's a horrible ring of death volcanoes you know yeah oh yeah oh damn yeah. that's cool oh that's really cool okay okay you guys i don't want this to just be primal rage with steampunk tech but like i can't help but think of like watching these two giant behemoths fight in the middle of a blizzard that is also a thunder and lightning storm. <laughs> so it's like you see like lightning and then it outlines the shape of a giant behemoth as they like throw a punch 
And then, mm-hmm. like, you have to wait until, like, oh, the impact of that punch blows away the blizzard and you see them fighting. for re- Like, I'm seeing this so <laughs> cinematically and I feel like yeah. I'm smashing my fucking action figures together like I'm 12 again. <laughs> but it's really cool, you guys. I mm-hmm. promise you it's really cool. It is pretty cool. Yes, but, like, <laughs> let's let's try and make it a little bit more, I don't know. Daniel, you need to step in here. You need to step in here, Daniel. What's the relationship between these creatures and the state of the world? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we don't know. Are they natural to this place? Um, It's clear there's been some sort of cataclysm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they're also worshipped. And so they also have some sort of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Were they civilized? Are they they Mm -hmm. savage in general? I I think I have an idea. Again, we're tying it to the weather itself, right? Maybe they are able, because they are so powerful, Mm -hmm. they are able to either create or stave off storms of some kind and some of the weather. I was thinking that too, especially because one thing that we haven't really touched on in the uh, prompts, tenets, is the blood magic. So like maybe they are fueled by the sort of essentially blood sacrifices of eating people and they're able to use that power somehow to like control the weather or or mm-hmm. do something with the weather. Is it their blood that's powerful? Ooh. Yeah. I, I was yeah. thinking that like the blood that's shed during these fights between these two forces, right? That the humans will then scoop it up in bowls and then like pass it out to their followers and then they uh, get like empowered in some way. Oh, that's cool. Like that. That's yeah. a cool like flip on the blood magic that I was thinking too. So it's like kind of sacrifice both ways basically yeah yeah i'm sure there are people eat them or they get eaten too rather oh they definitely get eaten yeah for <laughs> sure or maybe actually that might not be necessarily true like maybe they're empowered more by their believers faith or more by their believers like there, there's something else that's feeding them that isn't just like gristle and bone right it's like something metaphysical that is feeding their power in some way <laughs> i get the sense that they probably come from the center in some way and i I wonder too what's their relationship obviously there's reverence between them but like does does a society that come around one of these creatures like does the creature even acknowledge them are they Mm -hmm. like on talking terms is this more ritualistic like what's the relationship between a group of random steampunkers Mm -hmm. and one of these creatures or an Mm -hmm. outpost out in the snow okay i think i have an idea maybe the, the reason that these humans kind of follow these things around is where is the safest place to be in any storm at the eye of the mm-hmm. storm. So maybe there is this entire kind of culture that is based around nomadic travels that follow this thing as a caravan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's like everywhere around this area is going to be remarkably dangerous, freezingly cold or what have you. And like, yes, it's still dangerous to be around this thing, but it still might be safer than trying to survive out in the cold wastes. And mind you, that's not everyone. Not everyone believes that, of course. So you're going to have massive civilizations and uh, settlements Mm -hmm. where they're like, yeah, no, we choose not to follow those things. But then you'll have the Mad Max inspired like worshipers of these things that follow them in like caravans and stuff like that, or maybe as precedence to the creature that's cut co- the dino that's coming. Does, does it mean that these creatures, the vicinity around them is transformed by their presence? Like it pushes away the effects of the storm. 
because that would then attract I think it, to them. I think it alters the the weather around them because mm. they're bursting mm. with energy in some right. way, yeah, right? Yeah. They're like crackling with some kind of energy that doesn't necessarily negate the effects of the snow and the and the it ice and stuff it. like that, but it changes it demonstrably. Yeah, which would be kind of cool because then you can you can try and follow them. Yeah, you know, like because they would leave not permanent, but they'd leave evidence of their passage. Oh, I see. What Absolutely, you mean. yeah. So like the terrain behind them literally changes mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of their energy. Guys, guys, we're making meteorologists sound really cool right now. <laughs> oh, I mean, going back to what? Well, a meteorologist, but I mean, because of the word. <laughs> but Courtney, you said asteroid. I mean, it seems yeah. pretty obvious. Like they arrived on an asteroid they and they're emerging from it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The asteroid oh, yeah. is what destroyed this planet, but they're coming out of it and they contain the energy of the asteroid, which must I be like in that. the core. Oh my God. That's so cool, yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It seems, seems uh, like you guys put all the pieces on the table. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we basically just arrived back at Primal Rage, but cooler, which I'm so much happier <laughs> with. <laughs> now I, I, it's cool because the, it means the exterior world where most of this is taking place has this kind of steampunk snow purser, Savage World slash Mad Max feel, right? I just trying to make them all against <laughs> each other. And then it seems like inside this serene asteroid space beyond the volcanic walls, you might have like a literal jungle nightmare scape of dinosaurs, something cool mm. with an asteroid at the center, potentially. I don't know. Oh. Maybe that's where the one literal dragon is at. Too. Yes. <laughs> it just hasn't left one. yet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's and it's like hoarding the asteroid that it fell on or something like that. Or, Unless the or, dinosaurs are its baby or the creatures uh, are its children. It's like a mother dragon that's given birth to all these things. Yeah. That's oh, cool. yeah. And it's just a mother of monsters. And I could see it being a mix of creatures. And so like because we're saying these creatures, one could be a giant ape. One could be like some kind of elephant demon. One could be yeah. a Ooh, elephant demon. That sounds dope as fuck. Well, like, whatever they are. Yeah, right? But does. then I imagine the mother must be this conglomeration of possibilities you know well no because like in in like beowulf right grendel's mother is traditionally the mother of monsters right Mm -hmm. and she gives birth to numerous varying types of monsters but she herself has a static form so we don't even have to create an amalgam necessarily it can just be like hey this is what this creature looks like it is a dragon so we can satisfy that aspect of the prompt Mm -hmm. and then all of her progeny looks like weird like it, it can be whatever we want it to be Right? I don't mind it being a single thing, but per my tenant, it do not want it to be a dragon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Specifically, that was all my tenant was about. Kind of feel like a chimera kind of thing. That's yeah. fine, but yeah, it cannot be a regular ass dragon because that's why I created that tenant. Okay. <laughs> Daniel never let us have any fun. God damn it. <laughs> there can be some monsters that look like dragons, but the big ass one better not be a regular fucking dragon. <laughs> All right, what if it's a dragon with five heads, Daniel? That, that's a fucking dragon. What if it's literally Tiamat no. from the d cartoon series? We can do animated, better than uh, dragons. Animated series? No, t- no none of the fat-ass Tiamat dragons <laughs> from the D&D. Wait, what's wrong right with Tiamat the dragon God, from the D&D animated series, Daniel? Ridiculous looking. I love that's her. That's not a regular-ass dragon. <laughs> that's a ridiculous. dragon with five heads, and she got no little stubby legs. giant, like, scaly <laughs> fucking lizards. She needs to, it needs to be something unexpected. Daniel, I don't know about you. If I saw a dragon, yeah, whatever. If I saw a dragon with five heads, that's unexpected. 
I feel like I'd be like, oh, it's Tiamat. You know, that's that's basically my, in real life. That'd be my reaction. Oh, it's fucking Tiamat. Wow. I like you how know? Daniel's getting devoured by the five heads. You're like, oh, wait, so derivative. Like, so original. <laughs> I know. It's just a dragon. God. Like, can we do something fucking weird? Like, I don't know, a plant creature, like an orchid We've done monster. plant creatures many oh, times. Like a, uh, some kind of weird Annihilation-esque monstrosity, you know. <laughs> Okay, that I'm more interested in because I feel like if you were to merge an organic being with like a weird asteroid heart. That's what I mean. Like that's interesting mm. at least. Yeah. Okay, wait, Daniel, hold on. It can, it can functionally look like a dragon, you know what I mean? But I want it to not be a dragon. Okay, Daniel, you know hear I mean? me out. Hear me out, Daniel. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a dragon that has had its heart replaced by the asteroid and the asteroid yeah. is becoming uh-huh. bigger. And like just the, a fucking dragon with an asteroid heart. Come God on. damn it, Daniel! It's cool. I admit it. I love the concept, but that's not my tenant. <laughs> not a fucking dragon. <laughs> right, what if it's just a being that anybody can assign their own viewpoints to? Yeah. And we're here to do wait, that. Wait, job. wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I actually, Courtney, you're 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 bullshitting, but you're not wrong. So okay, in Stephen King's It, right? Whatever mm. you look at Pennywise the Clown, it becomes oh, yeah. like, right? Like it changes depending on who looks at it, right? Oh, could we, you could say, so, okay. So I think that <laughs> might be cool from the concept of perhaps the asteroid has a mirror-like material. It's made of a mirror material. That's what but, I'm thinking, right? Like the, the heart of this monstrosity alters its appearance based on who's looking at it. So, Which is cool. We need to now carry the meteor material into the rest of the story. Well, that's exactly what I was going to yeah, suggest, yeah. is that if the humans are worshiping these things as gods, then mm-hmm. it's literally a reflection of what they're putting into it. So whatever they believe, mm-hmm. that's the form and appearance this thing takes. And I mean that physically and literally. So mm-hmm. people are making their own storm gods by like putting whatever they think and they want. So you can have giant demon elephants and you can yeah. have giant apes and you can have dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, cause they're made of the same stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You can also have dragon glass, which would be um, not, not called dragon glass, but it would be the meteoric material they're made of that they are vulnerable to. Or I was thinking like, what if there was, they each had shards of this stuff embedded in them. And the only yeah. way to like, oh, the only cool. way to kill one is to remove all the shards. Oh, remove all the shards. Interesting. Oh, because it's hunks of the asteroid you're saying. Yeah, like if that's what's giving them like immortal life or whatever we're we're going with. Okay, hold on. So they're embedded with it. Okay, yes. So this is why they find each other and fight because Mm -hmm. they believe that they can extend their power and life by grabbing all of the shards. Taking it out, putting it in. And then the ultimate goal the only way that you can enter paradise is by having all of the shards and having your champion go in and either fight or fuck dragon mom. And then like, (laughs) there you go. Right. Like that's the end goal is to like, make sure that you're that you, Oh yeah, that's gotta be it. Right. Like that's, can we, can we roll with, I I love that. And can we work with the whole um, transformational effect? So like, so for example, like if I, if I'm one of the creatures and I defeat another creature, like, is the form that it takes on related to the crystals? Because we were saying before that like their forms are reflections of how they're perceived through the crystals. How, how they're worshipped. So what would happen, right? This, this walking storm comes in, punches mm-hmm. another one, and then as a result, some of their followers and their worshippers will now join the herd, right? Right. As a result, they will now imprint 
some of their beliefs and views of their previous God onto this new one. And it like just mutates yeah, in a yeah. certain way. Right. Okay, that's what I was picturing. So yeah. it's like basically like the battling of each other and then the worshippers relationship to the creature imparts what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, how it's perceived physically and, and exactly because it actually physically transforms right belief physically changes mm-hmm. the creature that's kind of like the um that goes back to the i think orchids like don't they um orchids. don't they evolve to look like different creatures in nature just to survive oh do they interesting huh. orchid what you- like the plants themselves I don't know if it's orchids in particular, but I think like plants, Daniel, God damn it. No, but I'm not saying plant, but my point (laughs) is like, if you think of this as a life form, right? Oh yes. The planet, this meteoric material, which clearly is part of their physiology in some way, Mm -hmm. like they must have evolved to make other life forms, worship them or look upon them to give them like Mm. shape almost. Mm. So they're, they're, they're like those plants that really imitate other creatures, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I understand. I, I apologize for my first book. <laughs> I don't mean for them to be literally plants. <laughs> That's what I was. I'm like, Daniel, no, no, no. Stop but I mean, it. like, I like that idea because now it's not just they're not just dragons and monsters. They're actually their own kind of yeah. life form. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, I was actually going to circle back to your demon elephant. Right. So <laughs> let's say that there was an elephant god. And then all of a sudden it comes across this cult who believes in a demon. and mm-hmm. then. When the elephant defeats the demon, then it becomes an elephant demon, right? Or like exactly. a more demonic element mm. like that's now anthropomorphic and stuff like that. Like, And then it just continues to change and mutate based on the beliefs. And yeah, like I think that we can definitely make this work and it's really cool now. Yeah, I love where this is going. Like the imagery is so like brutal and ridiculous and yep. fun. And apocalyptic. Right, yeah. it's like fun in a really grim dark way but mm-hmm. i love it yeah courtney mm-hmm. would you describe this as a fun apocalypse because i feel like i could describe this <laughs> as fun a fun apocalypse, apocalypse. <laughs> it's yeah it is pretty pretty cool <laughs> yeah. oh man okay and i i'm just thinking about like okay because normally what we would do right we're going to recap we're going to roll the mm-hmm. twist and then if this were a two-parter we would then come back and we would each have our own tribe of like walking storms like these giant titans and stuff that we would describe Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that we're probably going to just stick to one this time that we're going to make together right and i'm just thinking like imagine the seafaring ones where like there's very clearly Mm -hmm. a god of the sea and how they're like following in like these little steamboats like these little tugboats and stuff like that right yeah oh man like there's so much fun nonsense that you can have with this Mm -hmm. setting daniel you know what this reminds me of this mm. reminds me of Ride the Lightning triple yeah. plus with giant monsters. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's yes. why it gives me so future vibes in particular. Yeah. Yeah. yeah understandable. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like we we've spent a long time like fleshing this out, and I think it's because we're having so much fun with it. We do have to do a recap and get into a roll for the twist. So, Daniel, you started us off. What was your first tenet? The dragons are not reptilian, and they're only dragons in name. And that's the, we right. We have dinos. Yes. yes, we've talked about this entirely. Well, they're not all dinos. Some of them. No, are no, Daniel. They're dinos. Dragons in name only. <laughs> we specifically said Daniel. That few of them think can of be the, reptilian. Think of Daniel, the acronym. What's like, the acronym for dino? Oh, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That's both of you who missed that. Oh my, oh my God. God. Okay. Lord. 
<laughs> I, I did get it a while ago. To be no, Courtney got it. Courtney got it a while ago. But the fact that I, oh man. Okay. Anyway. So yes, we have dinos, Daniel. Yes. And then I certainly think that we've uh, satisfied that tenet for sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then so yeah. now that we have the meteor creatures, we've got uh, elephant gods and stuff. Yeah. Yes. We've got all sorts of stuff now. Um, my tenet was basically like it's like frost punk plus primal rage that was basically mm-hmm. it. and i feel like honestly it has mutated in such a beautiful twisted way i'm very happy with how that kind of turned. yeah so yeah uh, and courtney what was your first tenet uh, my first one was that the volcanic winters uh aren't purely caused by like mountainous types of volcanoes but oh, also right. by the huge fissures in the earth and we kind of established that at some point there was a an asteroid that plowed into the earth and that mm. helped cause these fissures for for shits and giggles here can't we just have them also be the fallout from the battle between these monsters and uh, stuff? yeah like they punch the earth so hard that it like, yeah. breaks open yeah they like they're literally cracking the earth's core whenever mm-hmm. they fight yes exactly yeah, that's cool all right and uh oh courtney you actually went your second round of tenet right after that so what was it yeah it was um that the oceans of this world are also very extreme in nature and they have these really dramatic tides that right. ebb and flow for miles. Mm-hmm. I, I think we also did a really good job of interrogating mm-hmm. the, uh, the weather talking about the tides and stuff like that, how they yeah. you can have warm tides and cold tides. And instead mm-hmm. of like Vesuvius, you have a tsunami that comes and freezes entire cities like in place and stuff. So yeah. I feel satisfied with that. How about you? Oh yeah, definitely. I think it, I think it works well. And like, mm-hmm. I think if this was a two-parter, we'd probably expand more on that, but I am oh, yeah. definitely happy at where it is now. Excellent. And Daniel, what was your second tenet? Um, that there's an unassailable center at the continent where the storm isn't there. So it's serene there. Mm-hmm. Right. We've mm-hmm. got our oasis. Yes. And I think that we've placed the mother of all these things at the center of that. Is that correct as well? Yes. As well as the asteroid. As well as the asteroid. Well, I, I'm seeing those as basically the same entity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like we did a good job creating a kind of mythos around that as well. So, yeah, I think that that's satisfied. And then for my final tenet, it was basically we have steampunk technology, but it's like mm-hmm. scavenged repurposed tech for most of it. Right. So you'll have like highly advanced stuff in some cases and not so advanced stuff in other cases. Right. That's kind of gotten fleshed out in how the caravans of these like human worshipers follow these dinos around, right? Like they're following them in these kind of like Mad Max style caravans and stuff like that. And I feel pretty happy about how that's all coming together. So yeah, I I feel like that's pretty well satisfied as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's essential to how it works. Mm -hmm. I agree. So with all of that out of the way, we can now roll for our twist and our twist this time is the food is people. Well, it seems rather obvious. Yeah. So how do we make it cool and interesting then? Because I feel like we've done a pretty good job of navigating that with our current situation. So how do we make it interesting? <laughs> it's kind of funny because when I had talked before about thinking about the road, oh, yeah. being reminded of that, and I had thought like, oh, maybe I should make these dragon cults cannibals. And then I was like, no, that's too... That's too dark, but I guess we've we've now got cannibals. Do we do, do we have to have cannibals though? Is that what we? I know that that's naturally where you go, Courtney, mm-hmm. but that's not yep. where the rest of us might necessarily. <laughs> that's that's go. fair. 
<laughs> yeah, it would be expected. So I'm trying to think what could mm. be a way around that. Um, Plus, we already kind of have some kind of cannibalism with the monsters themselves, right? If they're yeah, removing yeah. the shards of this meteorite to become, that's basically cannibalism. Could we make it um, not a bad thing? Like perhaps to get Ooh. through into the realm where the asteroid is, you have to become part of the creature Ooh. to be consumed by it. Oh, I'm okay with that. And that's that's kind of the the jubilation that I was talking about before yeah. when it comes to your own end, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a Valhalla type experience to exactly. be like chosen yeah. by one yeah. of these monsters to be eaten. It's like, yes, I'm going to the, the good afterlife now. Yeah, actually. What I'm also thinking as well is that for every individual consumed, maybe that adds to a certain level of intellect or something like that. Mm. I mean, these things are not quite um, creatures in the way we understand them to be. Like, they they materialize, right? Right. But they're mm-hmm. also storm-like meteoric conglomerations, right, that take different shapes. Right. And perhaps being consumed isn't your death. Like, you become part of the storm. Oh. Sense, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's where we can toss in some annihilation. Like, yeah. maybe it looks like consumption, but you're being added to this collective and, like, right. biomass mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Like, that's just awful in the best uh-huh. way possible, I think. Like, it's like a storm of souls that's moving around these things. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awful. Oh, man. That's <laughs> And gross. then perhaps, like, they believe that on the other side in this paradise that is to be conquered, you know, you can be reconstituted. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll be reborn as something better. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Maybe they think that the chosen few will live on as a monster themselves, as a god uh, themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like, this is your only chance of ascending into godhood, right? Like that kind of thing. It's like the Mormons with their whole um, view of people receiving a planet in the afterlife. Oh, yeah. Experience. Here we go. <laughs> Dragon god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm down with that entirely. 100%. All right. So, okay. okay there we go. We knocked out the <laughs> twist. Simple as that. Okay. Nice. So we've we've now given a reasoning behind that simple out of the way it's got this cool cosmic horror aspect to it as well body horror as Mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. so now i think that we should come up with our very own walking storm aka dino aka dragon in name only to create our own kind of tribe and monster that we have as the showpiece how's that sound yeah absolutely yeah okay now i have a question i feel like in terms of like appearance, we should randomize a certain aspect of it. Absolutely. Okay. What I can do is I can pull up the monster list and we can like maybe have it be molded or aesthetically kind of mirror aspects of that. Is that we want to do? That works for me. Sure. It's another interesting way to interpret monsters. All right, cool. So let me pull up our randomized monster list here. All right. The monster that we're going to be focusing on and having this thing be kind of modeled after is the Medusa. Well, we got the Tiamat the dragon then, multiple heads. And- <laughs> you stop it right now, Courtney. <laughs> I'm- stop it. How dare you? <laughs> Although, okay, you say that, but like instead of snakes, it's not dragons, but mm-hmm. like maybe each like tendril that this head kind of comes out of, or like maybe the head itself is like a representation of all of the previous beings that it's defeated. Yeah. 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 So it's like a humanoid head and then the hair itself 
also curls into and you see like the elephant demon and you see like a dragon head and you see like a minotaur head or something like that. It's just like this weird menagerie of all these different monsters that are just together, but like it's on a central body and stuff like that. Daniel, what do you think? Hmm. I'm just trying to think about Medusa and what's interesting about Medusa. Um, the stone besides, gaze. Yeah, besides her stone gaze. Yeah. Um, she also, I believe, when Medusa was slain, Pegasus came out of her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, she's a mother of some kind. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that can be incorporated. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting as well. Hold on. Are we creating the mother here or are we creating one of the wandering ones? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. It sounds like whoever slays this Medusa who is at the center, mm-hmm. right? Then it, something is birthed out of it and then like a rejuvenation of the world or like at least this thing like maybe leaves the planet or something like that. Because that's it kind of sounds like what we're getting at here. I don't know. That might be cool. And it might be interesting too to play with her stone gaze. In the sense I was that, thinking that. Too, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, because like we're talking about mirrors and the meteors having yeah. Like, yeah, that kind of thing. We toss that to Courtney, though. So I, you say, I think you're, you have an idea of what I'm saying. I was actually going in a different idea with like not a literal stone gaze, but I'd been thinking like maybe a way to interpret that is that she can stop the weather, just like oh. stop the movement of the weather around her and keep it from shifting. And like that also ties into the central area where it's this pristine, calm zone. Mm. oh and maybe take that a step further she can stop the weather for sure but she can also stop or affect the shifting of her own kind so like yes yeah you approach her and her gaze can actually like disrupt the storms that these creatures are yeah it it disrupts the metal that they've embedded within themselves exactly Exactly. Mm -hmm. so this uh this whatever the dino that faces her at the end has to play the same kind of like dodge roll you know, like run for cover type thing that like Theseus or Theseus? Is it Perseus? I think it's Perseus. I, I can never keep those two straight in my mind. But oh, Google it. it might be Theseus. Yeah, whichever one it was, right? Like they kind of have to play this like peekaboo game. And I feel like the stone gaze of the Medusa works from that way as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's Perseus. I think Theseus flew the Minotaur. Yeah, yes. Theseus is the Minotaur. Okay. All, all right. We now have the monster at the center of this. However, who are her handmaids and maidens, right? Or hand, what's the masculine firm of maiden? Uh. <laughs> right? Is there such a thing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, who, who are the people who wait on her hand and foot, right? Because, okay, so if you're part of the scavengers, you're like in the caravan, you're like following your walking storm, your dino, what have you. And you have, that's kind of your life, but you're in paradise. What does that look like? What are the people who are, attending our medusa here what is their job what do they do every day well we know that the, if we're going with mythology like medusa is one of three sisters the gorgons right yeah and it might also be interesting to have an attendant um the, the true attendant cult maybe like if mm. the others are cults of these creatures there might be a true attendant cult of, of the mother itself mm. so i can't imagine i don't i i don't imagine there being civilization of the kind that's understood inside the circle as outside Mm -hmm. like whatever persists there must be either alien or not hospitable to to, to the Mm -hmm. people from the outside you know so you're suggesting it's completely alien in a way that is not not alien in that oh it's like it's a different shade of yellow but it's like no it's like 
an alien atmosphere inside. Well, I could see this being the paradise that they imagined it would be. Like it is a jungle paradise or it's green, mm-hmm. but like it's it, there's something about it that's inhospitable. Like maybe like the attendant cult that's in there, like their civilization is not one you want to hang out in, you know, mm-hmm. and they surround mm-hmm. the meteor where she is or whatever, or like the plants there are deadly or like it's hostile to life. even though it looks ideal. Maybe she's just particularly hungry. like maybe maybe the the level of sacrifice that's required is oh actually that might really work especially if you consider like getting into this completely beautiful like uninhabited oasis and how deadly quiet it is and it's like Mm -hmm. you don't hear animals you only hear like maybe two or three people at most and everyone else gets like sacrificed essentially so it's like there is a beauty and then there's an unsettling quiet that goes along with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like I can see the cult also minions of her cult or whatever, whatever they are, like seeking out sacrifices, you know, constantly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe her like closest cult members are ones that have been imbued with the meteorite or asteroid stuff or oh, yeah. like have been merged in some way with these monstrous features. Ooh. So they they do get to live this life of peace, but they've been turned into something that is not human. Maybe they're start. Maybe that's how these walking storms are birthed in general, mm-hmm. right? Like whenever this thing becomes powerful enough, it leaves the oasis and then bam, you've got a new one. Right. And then the cycle starts anew. Almost like an incubator inside there. Rather yeah. Than like a traditional birth. Uh, it's like she yeah. has all these sort of eggs around her that she's. keeping track of and yeah yeah yeah. there we go fucking nailed it that's awesome (laughs) yeah Uh, i was also thinking that daniel i don't even think that you need hyper aggressive like cultists who need to capture people because it's like hey come on we've got like food and yeah you've made it to paradise welcome (laughs) they trick them into getting exactly right like everyone in the world is going to be tricked into this because the Uh, mythology about this place is like it's basically heaven yeah, so like they could be like those the, the the gems in their forehead. They look like pretty attendant angels, almost. You know, sure, yeah. yeah. Or realistically, right? Like because it warps to whatever the people want to see. You know, these attendants who have the gem in their forehead, which is a great uh, detail, by the way, Daniel. That's really cool. Like whenever they look them in the eyes, they're actually looking at the gem and they're seeing oh, yeah. an angelic being, or they're mm-hmm. seeing like like yeah. the yeah. most beautiful person they've ever seen before. You know, yeah. yeah. So you don't. You don't need violent wardens Mm -hmm. or, you know, man catchers, right? It's like, no, this is enough. Like the the honey is enough. Yeah. I'm I'm picturing this like kind of cinematic scene in my head where you don't actually see this happening, but you just hear the sounds of jubilation and celebration from inside this like crater area. Oh god. And a lot of excitement. And then like maybe a split second of agonized screams and then just silence Mm -hmm. again. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Force Courtney. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> course. I can visualize that and it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Are the scream- I bet some of the screams aren't actually screams. We're just interpreting them to be screams. Mm-hmm. I mean, not exactly. Screams, the jubilation. It yeah. reminds yeah. me, it reminds me of Nope in that way. You know, Jordan oh, Peele's yeah. Nope. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. How the sound the like really up. tricks you there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, like no. maybe for like a half a second. And then you're yeah. like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. You yeah. Know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Minor, minor spoilers for Nope. But, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, (laughs) yes, I think we've nailed it. I'm really excited with how this setting played out. Honestly, this was a joy. And 
as much as it still feels like I'm smashing my action figures together, I feel like we've also justified it enough where it's really mm-hmm. fucking cool. So agreed. I'm happy. I'm very happy with what's mm-hmm. going on. I just had a ton of fun with this one. It went yeah. in a way that I was not expecting at all. And I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of weird. Right one. How about you, Daniel? No, I like, I like, I like that we can visualize all of it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, with, with that under the belt, I mean, a big thank you to Levon as well for suggesting this particular prompt. Mm-hmm. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. Uh, if you want to come join us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Let's World Build. Or if you want to come join our community more directly, you can come talk to us on Discord with the link for that in the description and on our website. And if you're feeling particularly generous, like our brand new patron, Ian, which, by the way, Ian, thanks once again, like deeply appreciative of your support. And uh, we'll definitely have you on the podcast again, regardless. But still, we love you. And go check out Ian's podcast as well. That's Under Common Taste, where they do all sorts of homebrew stuff for D&D. So check them out. And. With all of that out of the way, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next week. 